As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Tuesday afternoon. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And we have a special guest. Yet again this week, uh, Chris Clark played 11 seasons in the NHL with Calgary, Washington, and the Blue Jackets, former captain of the Capitals, a former line mate of Alexander Ovechkin, and a great trivia answer. Who was the last Capitals captain before Alex Ovechkin? It was Chris Clark. Uh, Clark was named development coach of the Blue Jackets in 2012. I think he deserves much credit for building the department into what it is today. In 2019, just last summer, he was named Director of Player Personnel and GM of the AHL Cleveland Monsters. So we're always looking for a great guest on the podcast, but Chris Clark just made sense this week. Rough news, Chris, over the weekend and made official Monday that the AHL season has been canceled. I don't think anybody was surprised by that necessarily. Um, but a, a dose of reality. Can you put a bow on this 2019-20 uh, season now that it's been canceled? Just what this season will be remembered for in Cleveland uh, and and what the year meant to you? Uh, well, hi, guys. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was great. You know, it, it's something for myself, um, looking back on it, it was – you know, being in my position and coming through the organization like I have with development, it's it was awesome because we had, I, I don't know the number offhand, but, you know, at one time, I think we had seven or eight of our AHL Cleveland players playing regularly, um, regular shifts with the Blue Jackets at one time. So 
that's what we want. That's our job. Our job is to make players um, get them ready and obviously get them as uh, ready as they can be to play in the NHL. And, you know, our coaching staff did an unbelievable job this year. It, obviously it hurt our wins and losses in Cleveland, but you know, that's, like I said, it's not what it's about. It's about making sure that when a guy goes up and plays towards knows he's ready to play or, or for the most part, can know we're going to have something. Yeah. As you mentioned, you are the supply chain for the blue jackets, (laughs) the immediate supply chain. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're, they're not taking our, uh, you know, they're taking our best players. They're not taking whatever we want to give them. So we're (laughs) (laughs) the better the player plays, the worse it's going to be for us because they'll be gone, but that's what we want. That's, you know, there's a, there's a line between winning and developing. Um, You want to have a little bit of both, but you want to have developing, obviously, to be our our number one goal. Uh, I counted nine PTOs or nine different players signed to PTOs, which sort of paints uh, the same picture you were mentioning earlier. At one time, eight guys in Columbus uh, in the starting lineup in Columbus that once were yours. Uh, Some of those guys were signed to PTOs multiple times throughout the season. I'm wondering if you have a stack of PTO contracts in your briefcase with you if the moment arises and just if you could relay for us some of the more comical nights because that's one of the charms of covering the minor leagues is there are lots of nights where you're wondering how this roster tonight might be put together because it's always kind of a calamity yeah yeah oh there was there was plenty because it wasn't just you know we we know that Columbus had a lot of injuries um it wasn't just Columbus having injuries we had injuries just just as many as they had so you know I would have had probably a lot less PTOs because we had, you know, we had 18 forwards and an 8D at one time to start the year. So we had plenty um, within our system to not having to go out and sign PTOs. But I think as the season went along and there was a month, I think that I don't remember a, it was either December or January. I don't remember a, a game, uh, whether it was uh, Cleveland or Columbus where somebody didn't get hurt. You know, it, it's right. one of those, it was, it was where, you know, Corpusalo, um, you know, Corpy goes down in the, in the, in overtime in the last, you know, right. but that way I think we got through the game. I was like, okay, we're good. Game's over. No one's going to get hurt. Perfect. And then he goes down. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm losing the right. goalie. Um, so that, that was the thing, but with the PTOs, yeah, I, you know, not thinking I'd, I'd need them. Um, but I, as the season went along, I started to, to talk to different uh, East coast cause we don't have an East coast affiliate. Right. Um, we had some guys playing in the East Coast at, at, a, at a few times during the beginning of the year just to get them playing time. Um, but as it went along, I started talking to, to coaches because most of the majority of the coaches in the East Coast League are the team's GM as well. They, they wear a lot of hats. Right. Um, so I started talking to them. I was like, yeah, you know, nothing right now, but I just want to, you know, is this, will this guy, can this guy be available to us? And and those, those coaches, GMs in the East Coast League, that's what they want. They want the same thing. They want that, even though we're taking their best player, for them to recruit them and have uh, a, a better team, they have that ability to say, hey, I got this many guys' chances to play in the American League. Because yeah. um, the majority of the, the league and the East Coast League, all those guys are free agents for the, for the most part. There's yeah. probably a quarter of each team that are actually affiliated with the uh, an AHL team so yeah. a lot of free agents so it was it was something where you know it it was a good exercise for me because in one year I 
you know, made a lot of connections, talked to a lot of coaches and, you know, you don't realize how many East coast league teams there are within three hours of Cleveland. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's amazing amount. It, it makes it a lot easier if a guy can drive than to, to find yeah. flights for him. But yeah, there was lots of times where it was 1230, one in the morning, I'm making calls and, and uh, trying to book flights and oh, well, <laughs> what's the closest airport to you? Okay. All right. We got to get you to, you know, where we are on the road and, and stuff right. like that. So it's, yeah, it was, there was a lot, a lot of late nights and a lot of, um, not headaches, but it's, you know, it's something I'm, I'm actually glad I went through this year. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, the AHL season officially over. So many of your guys can now sort of settle into the off season, but how many guys and which guys, Clarky, have you told to stay ready? Cause I, I think the assumption is that NHL teams are going to obviously rosters are bigger than 23 right now after the trade deadline. But the NHL teams want may want a few more guys on hand for their uh, sort of second training camp and possibly the season. How many guys have you sort of told to sort of stay in game mode? Well, for the most part, up until basically Monday, they were all told to stay in shape yep. because we weren't. You know, it was hinting that way that the American League couldn't sustain itself, um, you know, obviously without fans and stuff. So we kind of knew but it wasn't official. So all the players were told to, to stay in as ready of shape as you can. Um, so at this point, we'll, we'll figure out what the, what the league wants or, or what they are going to allow if and when we open up here soon. Um, so we can make that decision on which guys, because a lot of the guys that we would use for that, uh, you know, lengthened roster basically ended the season in Columbus too. So. Yep. Right. A lot of those guys are stuck around Columbus because they ended the year here. So a lot of that has been taken care of. And those guys know because they, they're already here or have been told to stick around or stay close. Clark, I think every time I saw you at the rink <laughs> this season, I was teasing you about how crazy and busy you were, but it wasn't just the players. You had a new head coach uh, behind the bench too. And we got to know coach Eves a little bit, obviously in Traverse and then in training camp, but just what did you see from him just as a coach and then also dealing with these extraordinary circumstances this year? Yeah, he was, he was great. You know, he's got the the pedigree and the, the lengthy resume to go along with it. And he's been a, a very well-respected coach at every level he's been in, you know, NHL all the way down to national development league program and, and Europe and everything. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just, it was me just talking to him in the beginning, just getting to know each other and, you know, I, we give him the players and, you know, it, it's not my job to, to coach a coach. So I let mm -hmm. him go and we talk about game stuff after games. And, you know, a lot of what we talk about is, um, you know, who's ready. Cause that's the one thing we always, if I'm not at the game, that's the one thing we talk about afterwards. Cause that'll be the one thing that Yarmo or, or Billy will be asking me when it's needed. You know, who was, who was the best tonight? Who was, who was, the, who was your best player? Um, and for the most part, you know, 99% of the time, that's the guy that's getting called up when needed. Gotcha. Uh, once in a while, it's, it'll be, uh, a positional where they need a center or they need something, um, they need a left shot defenseman, whatever it is. But most of the time it's, it's, who's your best, who's, hmm. who's playing the best. So, you know, a lot of times that's what, uh, we're talking about, um, and, and who to get in the lineup once in a while, especially in the beginning of the year when we had, like I said, we had 18 forwards there. So we're kind of moving guys around and had a bit of a, uh, a veteran rule. 
clog in the in the beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of some a couple of times the guys that should be playing couldn't play because we're only allowed you know five guys as veterans and, and one guys and the exempt vet that kind of fits in between. So um, yeah, it's 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 definitely but Coach Eves did an unbelievable job with what we had because he wasn't knowing what we were going to get because he was obviously <laughs> seeing the same things and right, right. he was relying on me to, uh, to bring in guys. Um, and you know, we're not getting, we're getting some, sometimes you get some older guys we can get out of the East coast league that have played before. And, and a lot of times I was, I was bringing some guys up that never got a chance before. Mm-hmm. You know, they were young guys. They just, you know, didn't get a, an offer, uh, NHL or an AHL offer, but were really good players. So, you know, it all depended on uh, what we were looking for at the time. So I talked to, to Mike about that. You know, do we want to give a guy a chance or do you want to bring someone in that you know can uh, can play and, and don't have to worry about? Gotcha, gotcha. And this this might be what you already explained, but something I was curious about, you know, throughout the season and even in a quote-unquote normal season, a head coach like Torts will say, well, based on the reports I get from Cleveland, like, are there actually reports or is that the communication that you mentioned before? Like, how does and how much does someone like John Tortorella know about the talent in Cleveland? And, and how does that staying on top of that information happen for him? How do you make that happen? Uh, for the most part, he's got what he needs in, 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 uh, in Columbus. He's got his, you know, 22, 23 guys. So if something happens, guy goes down, he can fill in with, you know, the guy that he has their 13th forward or their right, uh, seventh right. defenseman that they already have in line. So, you know, it, it takes a while for that to get down. He kind of knows from training camp, gotcha. you know, some okay. guys stick around a lot longer than others. And some guys are, you know, one of the first to go. So he knows he might not be seeing them this year, although this year he did um, <laughs> in a normal year, you know, the, that first group probably won't see it, but you know, as training camp goes along, they're still, three or four guys fighting for that one, one spot or second spot. So he kind of knows. Um, but then again, you never know what's going to happen. You know, so he relies on us. He relies on Billy and Yarmo and, and myself and Basil, obviously that Basil uh, McRae sees a lot of our games. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I'm going through the locker room or whatever, and I see Torchies, he'll ask me about players. Oh, how's he doing? Cause he remembers them from training camp. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep up to date that way. So the reports basically come from, from us talking to him and, and basically when the need arises. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do, now, do you, Porty already mentioned this too, when, when there was the first development coach for the Blue Jackets, it was you. And now, you know, you've got Soupy with you. I, I think Rick Nash has maybe helped you a little bit, but not primarily. How, how proud are you or what steps have you taken to grow that development coaching role for Columbus? It's so much more now, it feels like, than when you started it. Yeah, no. Well, actually, Tyler Wright had it before me. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so he was the original, um, and I kind of luckily took over when he moved into the amateur scouting um, position, and I kind of took over. Yeah, it was myself, and I think at that time I had 18, 18 prospects going from you know the West Coast of the CH the WHL all the way to, yeah. to Europe. <laughs> I don't think we had any Russians at the time, but we had, you know, that was when Corpus Allo was playing in Yoker at junior team uh, way back then. So it was in Wenberg and, and all these guys. So I was the one man I was, you know, I go to Europe twice a year. I try to catch two games of all the guys. So I'm bouncing between Finland and Sweden, 
Um, even when Merz Lipkins was, uh, was in uh, uh, the Swiss League. So I was seeing him. I actually didn't get to see him play. I went there twice, but <laughs> not a bad place to, to go. Say, nice consolation, <laughs> consolation, go to Logano. But um, they, they didn't play him both the times. Even when I gave my heads up, I was coming. They still didn't play him, which <laughs> happens. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, that, I loved it. I, like, I loved the travel. I loved seeing the guys. And, um, you know, I, fast forward to this year, we have, uh, um, Supi Campbell kind of helping me out. We have uh, Yarko Rutu right, right. over there as well. Do, so he takes care of all the, uh, the European guys. So it's, you know, it's been great. And it, it was, it was perfect this year because, uh, Gregory Campbell kind of moved into a, a, um, pro scouting role as well. But we only had six, um, prospects in North America. So with me, taking care of Cleveland and him having a little more of a role in the pro scouting. It was, it was, it was a good year to do that because we had a limited amount of prospects to see um, as well as our uh, other jobs that we, we got as well. So, but it was good. It was uh, yeah. I, with a team like Columbus, you know, it's, we have to develop through the draft mm-hmm. and through our young free agents. And, you know, we're that type of team where maybe we're not going to get the, the same player that wants to play in New York or wants to play in Toronto or wants to, you know, Vegas, just, they want that glitz and glamor of the city, not, not knowing anything about the the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes we have to, we have to make sure all of our players are coming from in-house. So we, we draft very well. Um, I think our amateur scouts have been listening in on them um, the last couple of days. They do an unbelievable job of evaluating talent and scouring the, world basically to find those uh hidden gems later in the rounds um so you know that's the one thing that we need to pride ourselves on is is to draft and to develop our players so it's 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 been a fun role for me clark let me ask you about some of the players you had in ahl this year that are sort of on the cusp or, or pointing towards nhl careers. Tell me about Trey Fitzwilanski in the season that he had. I know he got up to kind of a slow start. I went up to Cleveland a couple of times and saw him early in the season when it was kind of a struggle for him. He had, he got it injured. It seemed like he started to figure things out as the season moved along. Is that a fair read? Yeah, absolutely. He, he kind of the injury kind of hurt him, set him back a bit. Um, Cause when he got injured, that's basically when everybody's hitting their full stride. Um, so when he came back, he was trying to get back into, you know, the playing where everybody's, you know, at full go and, you know, playing at their best. He was still struggling to get back up to playing, uh, uh, feeling good about playing and all that. So he, he struggled a bit just because of that. And then also he, you know, he's a dynamic, um, very skilled player. And a lot of his talent worked in Edmonton in the WHL last year where the pro game, you know, it, it doesn't work as much. So he kept, you know, he had kept trying it. We, we call it some, you know, these rookie or junior mistakes where, you know, some guys figure it out where they're told a couple of times, yeah, they, they don't work um, anymore. Or, you know, you don't always have to, to have a, a great shift, every shift, <laughs> you know, you don't always have to make something happen. You know, if, if it's, if you're in the D zone and, it's 30, 35 seconds, then it's, it might be time to come off the ice. You don't always have to have an offensive shift. And it's sometimes he, 
you know, always he, he wants it so much that he, he wants to make something happen. So that's when turnovers start and uh, stuff like that. So, but as the season, you know, the last 10 games or so, he really, really turned a corner. You know, it really clicked with him where we, you know, he would make mistakes at, at uh, offensive and defensive blue lines. The first, you know, 20 games he played, the last 10, 15 games he played, they were, you know, you'd, you'd see him dumping a puck or you'd see him making a safe play or, or not turning that puck over or getting the puck out of the zone where not hitting a guy in a breakaway where it's risky. Um, he might just chip it out and then, you know, you know, having have the shift, the, the next shift, make it uh, something different. So, I think he definitely, definitely learned a lot. And I was actually really disappointed, obviously, for not finish the season. But I was really looking at him a lot um, just because he made so much progress this year. Um, you, the challenge in Columbus so often this year was scoring goals, creating offense. How close did you come to give a Fix Wolanski a call up this year when he was healthy there towards the end? Um. I, I think it, it would have had to, we would have had to watch him a little bit more. Like I said, he was turning the corner, but he hadn't mm-hmm. had enough of it. And we've had guys that were playing, that were playing well in, uh, in Columbus, you know, a yeah. lot of the call-ups were, were regulars at that point. Um, right. But you know, if, if, if he had not getting gotten hurt and had that same kind of projection and getting better and better throughout the year, and if he had played close to 70 games then yeah, then he probably would have, because I think the way he was going, he was getting to that point, but you know, it's not going to hurt him to, you know, even if he played all 70 games in the American league, 76 games or whatever it is, um, it wouldn't have hurt him at all. You know, he would have been, you know, if we didn't, we're going through what we're going through right now. um, He would have been, you know, had a great summer of of training and lifting and, you know, been right there in in training camp to to buy for a spot. Uh, one name we've seen sort of on and off for several years in Columbus is defenseman Gabriel Carlson. And just speaking to scouts the last couple of weeks around the league, he's a guy that a lot of people thought had a, quietly had a really good AHL year this year and a guy that they were a little bit disappointed with the previous two, but they felt like this year's the year he sort of took the step forward that people were anticipating. Um, First, is that accurate? And, and B, where is this kid on the pipeline to the NHL? Because I think a lot of people expect him to be, if not here, somewhere by now. Yeah, definitely. He, uh, you know, right away when he, he played those playoff games as a rookie, you know, playing a few games in Cleveland, and then all of a sudden he's playing in the playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, and then the, the year after, kind of taking a step back. But it's for bigger, bigger players in general, but bigger defensemen, take a lot longer than uh than forwards do it at, at some points um but i think this year he made huge steps like i think he his confidence um and i think strength builds confidence as well so when you're strong enough to handle yourself in front of the net and strong enough to handle yourself in the corners um that builds confidence as well not just offensive confidence um but just being able to handle himself so i thought he did a great job um with that this year um, he was, he definitely, you know, we, we everybody saw it, um, you know, our scouts, other team scouts and like, Hey, this guy's taking a big step and we've definitely seen it. So he's, he's very close. Um, you know, we have some veteran, um, D in front of him in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, that he's not able to play right away. So, 
you know, somebody goes down, they pop him in. And I know Torts loves him. Um, so he's, he's, he's right there nipping on guys' heels. One guy that had kind of a disappointing year for you, at least statistically, is a local kid, uh, Cole Sherwood. Um, yeah, I know he had an injury. missed like six or seven weeks early in the season. Point me towards what his season was, if you would. Just because just, yeah, the season before looked like he was starting to, to really start to figure things out, what kind of player he was. Maybe the injury interrupted things this year. But I think he's kind of in no man's land again uh, in terms of what kind of player he is. Uh, tell me about his season. Yeah, he uh, a little bit up and down. Like he, another guy that got injured. Um, you know, he was obviously good enough to to be there to be a call up uh, when we needed him. Um, and then he got injured as well. And then he had to you know fight his way back into the into the lineup. Um, and other guys kind of overtook it just because you know he he uh, fell behind a bit just because of the injury. So um, that kind of definitely hurt him this year. And it's the confidence thing, you know, going back down and having to, uh, you know, prove himself all over again in Cleveland and get himself right back on top of the list. Um, so when sometimes when young players go down, they, they feel like they have to do too much or, or get points every night or, or make something happen all the time. And I think he fell into that a little bit. So we, we, we talk a lot. Um, you know, he's a, I've been working with him for you know three, four, five years now. I can't remember how long since we have signed him. Um, but yeah, he's a great kid, and he, he responds to to us talking, and, and you know he, he talks to Subi a lot as well. So he's you know he's he's got all the tools. We just gotta you gotta gain that confidence and, and get him uh, and get him back to the NHL because he's a, he's a specimen, man. He can skate, he can shoot. He's he's got a lot of good things. We just gotta. You know, just simplify his game. He simplifies it. He's going to be a he's going to be a long time NHL player. Hmm. Uh, another local product, Clark. He's a coach for you in Cleveland. I, I, this kid just smacked me as a coach. I don't know if it was the first time I met him, but but it wasn't too long thereafter. Trent Vogelhuber. Um, he's been with you for a couple of years now. First of all, will he be back in Cleveland? I think his his deal with you is up. Can you say if he'll be back? And also, what is the long term sort of coaching arch for this young? arc for this young guy um first off yes he'll definitely be back um and you're right he was coached ever since i first met him when he was playing in springfield yeah uh, when that was our affiliate he was he was definitely a you know brad larson's as a coach uh one of his favorites you know he wasn't uh, a first line player um uh, but he could play on the first line like he yep. was a compliment to whoever he was playing with he could be a great penalty killer. You can put him in front of the net in the power play. Um, he could work his butt off in the first line and, and get the, uh, you know, the, the skilled guys, the puck to score goals. So he was, you know, if, if it wasn't for his injuries, he might've uh, turned himself into a, an NHL player at some point, but yep. he had some, and his injuries weren't just week to week. They were six months to six months. Yeah. Injuries. Was, yeah. Yeah, which is we we joke about that uh, quite a bit, but yeah, he's uh, last year when he, you know, took his equipment off and put the tracksuit on. He was he was a coach right away. It was amazing to see that. Um, I kind of think myself where I would have had to wade it into it and, and see if I liked it, but he was he was running the, the penalty kill after the first week. Um, you know, getting him. You know, it, on Monday he was playing and sitting on the bench and one of the guys and you know on friday he was 
up in front of everybody talking right. about the, the penalty kill. So awesome. um, he, he was awesome that way. He just, you could tell, like you said, you can, you can tell sometimes when guys are meant to be coaches, and he's definitely one of those guys. Clarky, with all these guys that, that you got, got to bring up and you talked about how that's great um, to reflect on what's been happening in Cleveland. When, when these players come to the NHL level, we always ask them, you know, who called you? What was it like? What happened? From your perspective, is it rewarding when you get to tell one of your players that they've been called up to the NHL level? And, and what are those talks or calls like for you? Oh, those are those are awesome because I've had too many um, of the opposites, you know, oh, yeah. especially in training camp where Eric Clark, can you go grab this guy? We're sending him down. I'm like, oh, um, so, you know, that's that's been my – my job the last few years to kind of, you know, after, after uh, some preseason games, Hey, can you go grab this guy or that guy? So those ones are really, really tough. Um, yeah. Some guys can see it coming and some guys have, you know, have no idea. Uh, so those are tough. So to be able to do this this year, um, calling guys or, or telling them or, you know, and, and other times, you know, I'll, I'll tell Steve McCarthy because I know he's been, he works so closely with our D up there, mm-hmm. you know, have an AD and, him being the coach he knows them inside and out so sometimes i you know i let him uh he's like hey mac we're calling uh, whoever up you want to give him the heads up he's like oh yeah this way oh, he's he deserves it he's been great um, but it, those they're 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 so great because a lot of times you know with development that's that's my job and it's it's like having kids and sometimes it's <laughs> it's guys that that go right away you know and yeah and zach Warinsky, you know i didn't I didn't do anything <laughs> he, <laughs> and he made it, you know, very quickly. And you have other guys you work with closely, you get to know really well and it, it might take three or four or four or five years or whatever it is. So it's, it's super rewarding when you get to, uh, you know, call that guy and, and you can tell in their voice, they're, they're super excited because they're like, Oh, what's he calling me for? What's he want now? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Hey, uh, you know, you want to play, you want to come down to Columbus, you might be in the lineup tomorrow. (laughs) But yeah, those are, those are awesome. The flip side of that too, and you, you hinted at this a little bit, but you know, we got to see so many Cleveland players and, and maybe I'm just clueless, but you know, sometimes it felt like it was a surprise, right? It wasn't maybe the player we thought would get called up from your perspective. and, And maybe this is also coach Eve's, how do you manage that? Because obviously those AHL players do want to get up to the next level. How do you manage the guys kind of looking over and saying, why not me? You know, why am I not the one who got that phone call? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard too. And you can tell sometimes, especially as it, as it went along, cause we'd get to the, you know, the first guy you can kind of tell, yeah, he deserves it. And the second, especially this year when we had so many at one time. Yeah. Um, so when you get into that third or fourth, it's kind of, there's some gray areas in there where these guys are really close. Um, but it might be who was, who was good last night, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I, and I tell the guys, and this is what I tell them, you know, if, if they're the last guy cut in training camp uh, to fill out the roster, I was like, yeah, be disappointed. And I get it. And that you're allowed to be disappointed, but don't go down there. Like if, if you're on top of the list right now, like you're the last guy going down, you should be the first guy coming up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially the young guys, and, and I get it, it's immaturity and you, you don't, you don't uh, understand as much as you do when you get a little older. Um, but you want to stay on top of that list and it's every day you're being evaluated. You're not being evaluated 
over what you did for the month, you're evaluated what you did last night in the game. So if you, if you weren't the, the one really, really standing out or doing the best and you're taking a step back, then somebody else is jumping ahead of you. So, if, you know, if you get sent down, stay on top of that list. Don't go down and, and mope and, you know, feel sorry for yourself or be so upset that you don't play your game. Mm-hmm. Play your game because you could go down and come right back up. Because <laughs> it, it's happened, you know. Guys get hurt. Guys get sick. Whatever it is, it, it, it sometimes it's weeks and months, and sometimes it's hours. And we can get sent down and called right back up. Yep. So make sure you're on top of that list. Has always been uh, a talk with, that I have with guys. Clark, I know you always had a lot of respect for Scott Housen, who traded for you initially from Cal from uh, Washington, and I think gave you your yeah. We would, would have been the guy that hired you as development coach, correct? Yes, yep, yes, I did. Uh, now, Scott Housen is going to be the AHL president next year. At least that seems to be the plan for right now. How excited are you for him? And I've, I've been thinking for a while, that just seems like the perfect fit for Scott Housen. He's continued to work in the NHL with Edmonton since he was let go in Columbus. Uh, he's in Columbus, lives in Columbus. He's here frequently. Uh, but a new chapter for him, for sure, uh, tell me your thoughts on House and becoming the AHL president. Oh, I think, like you said, I think it's great. Um, I've stayed in touch with him. Yeah. Like you said, he still lives here in, in uh, Columbus with his family. And I see him at either Blue Jacket games or Cleveland games a lot um, with the role that he's had with Edmonton. Um, so I, but like you said, I, I think he's great. He's a very, very, very smart person. Um, he's got the background, um, the, the law background. He's, he's, I think he's going to do a great job. And I know he's, he's uh, hand in hand with Dave Andrews right now, obviously going through everything, but he's in all the meetings. Um, so he's up to date on everything that's going on. And so when, when Dave hands over the, uh, the baton to him, he's going to be a hundred percent full, ready to go. Um, and I think he's going to do a great job. Um, Clark, how much day-to-day interaction do you have with, Andrews and how much do you think you'll have with House and is it one of those things where you just hear from them when there's a when there's a suspension doled out or is it <laughs> is it more frequently than that? Yeah, that's that's about it. I've actually weirdly known Dave Andrews off and on for a long time. I was uh, the AHL being in Springfield and I grew mm-hmm. up you know, twenty minutes from there and have played games in the American League, so I've you know, been able to say hi to Dave along for the last twenty years or so. Um, and with Scott, the same thing. But for the most part, I, do, I don't hear from Dave unless I see him uh, once in a while at a game. Um, right. You know, the suspensions come from uh, from other people in, in the in the gotcha. organization there. So yeah, for, so I, you know, if I think if you get a call from from Dave Andrews or, or Scott Housen coming up here, it's probably not going to be a good thing. <laughs> you know, right. something's really gone on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, AHL meetings. Typically in Hilton Head in the summer? Yes. Yeah, usually. Well, it has been always around uh, the July 4th time. Yeah. Have those been canceled or are those still on for now? No, those are all canceled. They canceled those. And they also have some – the business side of the American League has another event um, sometime in the summer, and that's also been postponed or canceled. Wow. Yeah, strange times. Uh, how's the Chris Clark family? How's everybody doing in your, your neck of the woods? Good, 
Good. All the, the kids are finishing up school. This is the last week, I think, of anything planned. Right. And I think they get a week of uh, making sure they have everything handed in. And if they're missing anything, they can kind of, or redo some things, they can do that. So it's, I've got two in high school that are kind of on their own. And my, my youngest in uh, middle school that we help out once in a while, but she's been doing well as with these kids are very resilient and they pick up on and doing these things a lot, a lot easier, I think, than the adults in the back. <laughs> do. So they have, they have no problem with all this uh, distance learning. I think it's just the, the friendships, but you know, with zoom and all that, my daughter's been, I think there's been times when the zoom or FaceTime or whatever has been on and she's not even yes. on it. And I walk in and I can hear people talking. I'm like, what is yes. that? <laughs> yes. I was like, is that still on? She's like, Oh Yeah. We keep it on. I was like, yeah. okay. Watch I, my I daughter's say, I a senior in high school and she'll like watch TV shows with her friends with FaceTime on. Yeah. And, and you walk into a room having no idea you're on TV. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It can be pretty rough. It's pretty <laughs> rough. Well, Clarky, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate yeah. it. Good getting caught up with you. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. This is fun. Thanks, Clarky. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you.